Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus Podcast. This is Steve Poos Benson, the host of the podcast. It is great to have you with us on this day, whether you are washing the dishes, walking your dog, cleaning the house, commuting to work, you have tuned into the Cowboy Jesus Podcast because you know that we talk about some important issues here on this podcast. And today, uh, I'm really glad I have a guest with me, John Schwinkler from Braver Angels, because I believe braver angels are the hope for us as a United States, United States of America. John, I was uh, going through some articles the other day getting ready for this interview, and I read that where somebody said that they were uh, they were afraid for the union of the of the United States of America because of the political divide. And it's just it just seems like we're at each other's throats all the time politically. And and as we heat up to the presidential um, election next year, it's going to get worse. So before I go on, John, tell us something about yourself and what is Braver Angels. First, who are you as a human being? What do you do? Well, thank you, Steve. I'm honored to be here. And I love Cowboy Jesus. I'm, I'm just a regular retired uh, information technology uh, analyst, um, retired now seven years. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, moved here with my wife to be close to a number of our um, children and, and grandchildren. Uh, and with retirement, I had time to volunteer in, in ways that I just didn't, you know, with a full-time job. And four years ago, I couldn't babysit anymore as the pandemic hit us. So I um, woke up to a, a call that I'd, I'd had over the last few years preceding to get involved with Braver Angels. And uh, I've gotten very involved. I've uh, helped develop workshops. I'm a member of the development team. I deliver workshops, uh, both in the Zoom mode and as a moderator. I've um, helped fashion our um, faith sponsored workshops, uh, something we hope to bring to Columbine United yeah. at some point in the future. Looking and um, I just suddenly got a call from you or an email to um, have this conversation. So here I am. Good. Well, so what is Braver Angels? Tell us about kind of what is it? When was it founded? What is the work that it does, et cetera? What is well, Braver it's, in, it's interesting. You, uh, you couldn't have an organization better um, slated to the term grassroots. This is just this grassroots organization started after the 2016 election just by three men who, um, you know, on different sides of, of, of politics, um, who wanted our country to be able to to heal and and talk after such a divisive election. So at the end of that year, the end of 2016, they got um, 10 Republicans, 10 Democrats, we easily refer to them as reds and blues, uh, together. And one of the three leaders, uh, Bill Doherty, is a renowned marriage counselor and has taught and written books and and he used those same techniques of of getting couples back together and able to communicate in this group of 10 and 10 
uh, over a weekend. And it was just transformative. The, the people were transformed. Uh, the, the environment um, was so different at the end. We actually have turned that into one of our uh, videos because um, it was so compelling. So from that just tiny little seed that was planted, um, those three people are still our leaders, but now we have, you know, over a thousand volunteers wow. across the country. I'm one of them. Um, over a hundred alliances, which allow for typically monthly gatherings of that same diversity of, of reds and blues, Democrats and Republicans, each month talking about a different topic and and just really trying to understand each other. So um, there's more to share there, but that gives you a sense of what yeah. Braver Angels is all about. I mean, so from three guys since 2016 to where we are now, a thousand volunteers. Yeah, that's profound. That shows, I think it shows a couple of different things. It shows that um, people are wanting this type of dialogue on your website. I forget the percentage that says that when people come to politics and talking about politics, the number one thing they express is exhaustion. Yeah. People are just exhausted of the divide between Republicans and Democrats. What what do you think about that? Well, the divide is is not the problem. I mean, people are different and they're gonna be split on issues. None of that is a problem to think that that wouldn't be the case. It wouldn't right. be human. You know, we're, we, we've come at things from different angles. The problem, and this is what's so hurtful, is we hate the other side. And that's relatively recent that that's become endemic. Um, uh -huh. the, I've read studies that said it's really happened in the last 50 years. And there's a lot of research about why that all occurred. But, but here we are. And people uh, on one side or the other have their news feeds, their media, and and now they even live in cities and counties that have self-sorted by politics. Uh, and it didn't used to be that way. Mm -hmm. So, so the the differences are natural. People are going to going to be different. But you know, when I was thinking as you were talking, as as far as like. People get, they're in like an echo chamber right. that they only hear the news that confirms their perspective. Do they go out of their way to find news, social media, media, television, whatever, that presents a different idea? Do you find that to be true? Yeah, and actually there's um, historical explanation. I don't remember the exact legal ruling, but something around the 70s or 80s changed where uh, national broadcasters no longer were expected to present both sides. You know, right. up until then, you, you know, your nightly news was meant to be, and there was some actual legal standing around it, that they had to present both sides. And then with cable news and all of that that took off uh, at the end of the last uh, decade um, or, or millennia, that just evaporated. So now it's what you say, the echo chamber. Um, and it's not healthy. We can't just have, you know, allegiance to one perspective. We've got to be more open-minded than that. 
Because I know, like on the like on the far right, there might be like Fox News or something like that. On the right. far left, you have, like you might say, there's CNN. Where do people go if they're wanting to find something in the middle? Do you know of any news sources or media sources that you would say this is a middle that you need to go to? Do you know of anything? I'm just kind of brainstorming. Well, yeah, well, you know, the ones that I would say, the other side's going to disagree with. So I'm not going to give you any. Because <laughs> anything, anything, the only way to get around this is there are some um, organizations, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, that they're express like braver angels, but now I'm thinking media organizations whose express purpose is to give you both sides. And um, I think one's called like all sides. There's a number of them, and again, they're not top of mind. So you can find those, um, or yeah. and or you could join an organization. You'll hear more about it as we talk, like braver angels where you can actually meet people from the other side. It's not just a, a speaking head. It's right. a it's somebody that you can end up being friends with. Yeah, yeah that's cool. So what is what happens in a Braver Angels conversation? A group of 10 people sit down together. What do they how what goes on? How does it happen? So there's two major flavors. The the original one we call the red blue workshop and it takes about a day um three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. And what we do, it's so much fun to moderate because you have an equal number, like I said, of um, conservatives and liberals. And then, and this is this marriage counselor's um, expertise, you walk them through over those, you know, six hours, very structured exercises, not free for all, uh-uh. And uh -huh. the moderators are trained um, to keep it structured. In the beginning, you have them talk about stereotypes um, that the other side has about them. Right. And then, you know, you let them kind of unwind about that. Then you put them into what we call a fishbowl, which, you know, the one group uh, of the other color is on the outside listening in like you would be looking into a fishbowl of uh, the other color group talking about important issues, what's important to them, what's valuable. So anyhow, this goes on and on, but at the end, and this is what absolutely uh, empowers everybody, you get to ask questions, not gotcha questions. Again, we have boundaries right. around these things, right. but, but healthy questions, important questions, you've always wanted to know the answers to, of the other side and they answer because everybody at this point is collegial and um, able to communicate so that's one mode the other mode which i help um uh, a very knowledgeable counselor um put this together um and she actually does a similar format but in half the time in just three hours uh where people develop common ground we call it our common ground workshop and at the end again equal numbers from both sides there's some number of issues that they unanimously agree to it has to be unanimous um as you know the central uh concerns and and ways to resolve them it's really a way of just striking compromises between both sides. Those are the two major forms of workshops like that, Steve. 
Because, you know, it kind of goes back to something we talked about. Uh, listeners, John, I got on the phone. We've been exchanging emails, kind of getting ready for this um, interview. And one of the things we kind of kicked around, John, is the notion of holding sacred ground for relationships. Right. How do we hold our relationships sacred? Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I'm I'm a spiritual director, and we went through two years of training just to learn this. And it starts out, and this is how we start out with our workshops, um, to be able to listen to the other person carefully without already fashioning in your own, you know, consciousness, the dispute, the argument, the refutation. No, just listen. Ask questions of curiosity, explore what's really the underlying feelings, because those are going to be common between both sides. I'll share the same kind of concerns. In my opinion, in my experience, how we get through this, and that's the first thing we teach in our workshops, is the listening skill. Um, right. So that would be the, the, the place to start. Right. You know, it's really funny in my own marriage counseling that I do with couples, I tell them, don't play the butt butt game. And the butt butt game is somebody is talking and you're already forming your argument that goes, but, but, what about this? And but, but, what about that? No, no, no. Don't play the butt butt game. Just learn how to be present to hold that relationship sacred and listen, truly listen. And then, and then, make it interactive say well what did you mean by that and and then if if you do that this is the final part of the skill that we teach you've earned the right to present your own perspective okay yeah. because you've listened to theirs now right. not with everybody some people really are beyond that but most people if you've done it if you've done the careful listening and the exploration found ways to agree with them wherever possible, they will listen to your perspective. And now we're finding common ground. We can make some progress. Yeah, you know, I call that earning the right to be heard. That's it. Earn the right to be heard by first listening to what the other person is saying. That's it. Wouldn't it be great if we could do, I mean, like, John, I think about all the polarizing issues that we have in our culture. I mean, abortion, immigration, LGBTQI plus conversations. It's like, I don't know how, what is the root? Why can't we talk about things like immigration without end up hurling stones at one another? I mean, it gets so hot, so fast that there is no sense of listening. Do you have any idea about that? Well, the only, you know, strong sense that I have is we've forgotten, maybe we never knew what Jesus meant when he said to, to love your enemies. He, he really wants us to cross over, tune in to the other side. And if all we're doing is like you're saying, Steve, throwing stones and hatred, uh, this isn't being a disciple of, of Jesus. I mean, we've lost it. Right. Right. So, I mean, so there is, okay, since you're a spiritual director and I'm a pastor, 
like I really believe that there's a faith component of this. Like, you know, we talked a little bit about this getting ready for the interview that in the church, the churches are so divided. I mean, right. like, John, I told you about this thing that happened at church on Sunday. We had a fellowship thing and, and one in a small group, one person referred to President Biden as Sleepy Joe. And immediately, immediately, half the people were offended and started doing the butt-butt game. Other people were chuckling as they agreed. And I thought to myself, yeah, you know, in a faith community, we can't we can't do this. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we have to find a way to talk and hold that sacred space with one another where we can honor each other's opinion. Do you see that happening in churches? The place I've seen it happen in churches, and I've done this in about a dozen now, is where we bring in braver angels, moderators, because we don't let that kind of thing happen. We don't, as when we're moderating the workshop, again, it's very structured, there's clear boundaries. Everybody has to sign off to them right up at the beginning, right at the outset. Um, like one of the ones I, I shared this with you earlier, Steve, in Braver Angels, neither side is teaching the other or giving feedback on how the other side should be should be different. You, we're just talking about ourselves, what's important to us, trying to understand what's important to them. So if you establish those boundaries, there's no name calling. You can't say that kind of thing about the other side. Um, a if we were doing it in one of our workshops, a moderator would, would immediately um, step in. We've, we've, and I've helped with this, we've taken seven different workshops, including the ones I've talked about, with you so far and five other ones. And we've put our faith wrapper, we have Christian, we have Jewish, we're working on a Muslim version right now, um, so that we can come into a congregation and, and get through those kinds of problems because they don't belong in a church. Yeah, I mean, they really don't. And just like, you know, we kind of kicked around this idea as well. It's like, there's such a divide in Christendom between the evangelical church and the progressive church Right. That we've lost the ability to find common ground, even as Christians. I mean, yeah. we get so hooked up in hurling stones back and forth, calling each other heretics or not really Christian. I mean, it just kind of goes on and on. It's like, and I used to be a stone hurler. I used to be yeah. throwing stones at the evangelical church until I finally realized this rock in my hand is not helpful. It's not doing yeah. anything to help us find common ground. And that's why <laughs> this last phase of my career, I want to find ways to help people find common ground across the right. theological divide. So we need to do a braver angels for evangelicals and progressives. Oh, good Lord, that'll never happen. <laughs> well, no, no, it will happen, but it's not going to happen easily. That's my, that's actually my um, stated goal is that one of the churches, and I, as I've mentioned, we've done about, I've done about 12. There's been many more that I don't even know about of these faith-sponsored workshops. But after we do one, like at Columbine, you know, with the both sides, um, reds and blues within a congregation, what has to happen, but I haven't seen it yet, is that that congregation, then let's say it's a more liberal one, reaches out to their more conservative 
um, congregation on the other side of town and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's do, you know, have 10 from our side, 10 from your side. Take a divisive, take abortion. Yeah. I mean, we have to find common ground on abortion. It's essential. And we can. We've done a number of these, and they're, they're, it always ends up, we haven't done them in churches yet, but we will on abortion. Um, you always find common ground because caring people, when they finally talk to each other, will find common ground. You find that you, I mean, you really found that on abortion that people were actually to find common ground? Uh, absolutely. And there is common ground, but not if you're just hurling stones at each other. Yeah. Yeah. You found common ground with um, LGBTQI issues as well, where there's such a polarization between not recognizing inherent rights and gay marriage and trans rights and i mean oh gosh what you but steve but steve there is another there's a perspective that we need to understand of why and it's you know all the biblical i'm going to use the term fundamentalism because it's an easy easy term um that says that that's not the way people should be living right we need to talk about that we need to understand where that comes from yes we can find common ground around that yes we can I will follow your leadership because I have yet to find a conversation. It is so hard yeah. when you talk to people on quote unquote, the other side, which is not helpful to even view the conversation in that way. I think, I think it does take a skilled moderator to say, to say, all right, everybody, let's blow the whistle out of the pool, out of the pool, sit on your sides and let's talk about, why we're splashing water on each other. That's exactly right. And remember, these the, the founders here are marriage counselors, right? Oh. That's their business. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. So do you think that the root of, um, of the divide is a clash of values that people have with one another? No. No, no because that's when we do these workshops, the place we start are values these common ground workshops, the values, that's not 100%, but are very, let's, let's say 75% common between both sides. The uh -huh. values are common, the concerns are common, the hard part is the solutions. How do we, because people are conservative and liberal, they're gonna come from different you know, ways of solving problems. That's where the con that's where the compromise has to come in. But if you can't get to a you know understanding of the concerns and the values, you'll never be able to make those compromises. So like so one of the things when I think about compromises, finding common ground, listening, I think the the thing I think about is what are the next steps? So okay. we've held. We've held sacred conversation. We held. We found common ground. We're listening to each other. What happens when the meeting is over and I'm and I go home, to, back to my uh, echo chamber, if you will, for lack of a better word? What What are the next steps that I need to do as someone who has participated in one of these conversations? What do I do? Well, there's one that everybody needs to do, 
and I'm going to come to that second. Some people will be called to take um, to volunteer to take constructive action, and of course, you know, braverangels.org um, would be one place to go. We have a place that people can be, enroll and become members and get more information, potentially volunteer. But everybody that comes through this, we call them depolarization uh, workshops, um, should at least be open to the possibility, and many people clearly are. We do evaluations at the end, and I think oftentimes it's upwards of 60% plus um, feel very differently about the other side coming out of one of our workshops um, to where the next conversation they have with a family member, with a colleague, they're going to be more open-minded. Mm -hmm. They're not going to just immediately pick up that stone to throw. Right. They're going to say, that's not helping. And instead, they're going to say, oh, why? what are you concerned about there? What are you afraid of? Um, that has you saying X, Y, Z. And you're going to ask and try to understand their perspective. And then maybe they'll try to understand yours. You know, you said a key word that I want to kind of, uh, I want to explore a little bit. You said, what are you afraid of? Do you think that people have gotten to the point where they're afraid of each other? Absolutely. That's why that word enemy comes up. You're You're afraid of an enemy. And if you're thinking people on the other side are your enemies, yes, there's fear. And then, so then part of what Braver Angels is doing is helping people overcome the fear. Yeah. Um, before we were called Braver Angels, which is a really good name because it takes courage to do this, we used um, President Abraham Lincoln's uh, famous quote about the better angels right. of our nature and that's what he's talking about. He's saying, you know, at the end of the Civil War, we cannot be enemies. Right. We have to reach out to the his term, Lincoln's, the better angels of our nature. So we've taken that and expanded on it with the courageous part of being a braver angel. So I agree. We got to be braver angels. We got to go to our better angels. So how do I live this as we go into this political year where the rhetoric, I mean, we're not even in it yet. Well, the first rhetoric. thing I would do, oh. for, well, and I'm talking about Columbine United or any church out there. Let's take, we have seven different workshops um, available and a new one that's coming out at the beginning of next year that's much easier to run. It'll be instead of three hours, it'll be an hour and a half. Um, let's bring that into these congregations. Um, Christian, Jewish, we'll have Muslim version. Um, and let's start listening to each other rather than throwing stones. Yeah, and we got to get out of our echo chambers. I really think we have to I mean, sometimes when I hear the extreme rhetoric on both sides, I kind of tell myself, this is not helpful. Don't listen right. to it. Don't quite pay attention to it. Don't feed the gas on this fire. Just, That's it. Don't, just don't yep. feed the gas. 
say, I'm just not going to participate. I'm not going to participate in this kind of rhetoric. You know, it's like uh, Stephen Covey's from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said, it's win-win or it's no game. You know, yeah. if I can't work for the betterment of somebody else, where everybody is coming away with some type of win-win, then it's no deal. Then I'm not going to play the game. And I, I just kind of thought about that. that. That's maybe the way we need to approach the rhetoric in our society is to tune out from those people who are wanting to light a fire and catch a fire. Yep, I agree. Do you, do you, I think I know the answer for this, but I think I'll say it anyway. Do you fear for the union of the United States, You the whole union notion? So there are many people I've met in Braver Angels who would answer yes to that. My answer is no. And maybe the difference is, to, again, it's kind of a person's nature. I tend to be an optimist. I'm a very hopeful person. So I just can't go there. But I certainly understand the danger. Uh-huh. Do you see this Braver Angels concept? Let's kind of move it to an international scheme, scene, like with Israel and Gaza right now, with the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Do you see how we could apply Braver Angels concepts to, on a global scale? It's interesting you bring that up because the, the woman, Rena Bernards, who developed the Common Ground Workshop, she and her husband that was their background, was negotiating literally in Palestine between uh, oh. Palestinians and, and, and the Israelis. And um, the reason she developed common ground for the United States was because of uh, principles she'd learned doing this kind of work internationally. So there's no question that um, it has a global impact I don't I don't go there because there's so much to be done here in our okay. country. But um, yeah, clearly it has a much bigger impact. As I was reading last night uh, in the New York Times and they were doing his, a history of, of the negotiations between Israel and Palestinians back from 1948 going forward. And it was fascinating how group after group, person after person has tried to bring the two sides together. Yeah. And they kept on breaking down. And it was because there was a lack of establishing trust. Yeah. There was a lack of truly listening to the needs of each other. There was a lack of finding common ground. I mean, some basic things that we're trying to teach people in churches and in the community to do, the international leaders need to do on an international. We need a braver angel, Israeli, Palestinian we need to get 10 on each side to sit down and talk. <laughs> Boy, do we. I won't argue with you on that one, Steve. I mean, Amen. it would be fascinating to set the set the politicians aside, yeah. just pick 10 and 10 on either common citizens and sit them down and talk and listen to what they come up with. Wouldn't that be so, fascinating? So let me, let me just, I know you're close to the end, but let me say we have done that with one of the most divisive issues in our country, which is um, trustworthy elections with oh, wow. so much uh, repudiation of the 
of the last uh, election. So what we've done is we've run these, these exact same workshops that Rena uh, developed with the topic of trustworthy elections. All around the country over the past six months, we're accumulating all of these unanimous uh, results to present to, to the decision makers, our policy makers. So it can be done. It can be done here and it could be done hopefully internationally. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate your um, your hopefulness and, optimi and optimism because I also try to view myself as being optimistic and hopeful, but sometimes I get so stuck in the weeds of actually living and pastoring amongst a group of people. And Columbine is a church that really is almost 50-50 yeah. split Republicans, Democrats. Yeah. And and I tell people, you can't talk politics in the sanctuary. We're going to worship God in the sanctuary. If you want to talk, fight outside on the stoop of the church, that's fine. But we're going to treat each other as Christians inside the building. So I get kind of stuck in the in the morass of it. And just doing this interview, I kind of feel like, okay, there's hope. There's hope. And, and it takes bravery, doesn't it? That's why yeah. we're braver angels. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That, is that where the term comes from? Is that I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be courageous. I'm gonna be a braver angel to uh, do this. Right. That, that's exactly where it comes from. Yep. Okay, John. So Braver Angels is coming to Columbine United Church on Sunday, December 3rd. And you're gonna do with um kind of a one brief kind of intro workshop. And that's going to be between the two services at Columbine from 9.30 to 10.30, Sunday, December 3rd. And that then what we're hoping to do is to do one of these workshops later in the midwinter, early spring, to actually try to start doing this, uh, one of these workshops at our campus to try to get, if nothing else, get people at Columbine United Church talking so that we can participate in this great movement called Braver Angels. And John, you got to start there. You got to start at home. Good, Steve. Yep. This has been a great conversation. I so appreciate your time. I appreciate your work with Braver Angels. Three cheers for all of you. May the grassroots movement really keep on growing and going. Friends, thank you for listening to the Cowboy Jesus podcast today. You can find other episodes here on Podbean or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your your podcast. Thank you for listening. And you can read my blog, also Cowboy Jesus. You can find it on Blogspot. I also post it here on the church's Facebook page and my own personal Facebook page. John, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Cowboy Jesus. Take care. We'll see you. Bye.